Thank you everyone for chiming in and listening to Five Guys in the Bible. And uh, today we really just wanted to let you know that we're starting just a, a new format to end the year off. Uh, we were talking about the armor of God. We're going to go into more detail with that. But this is going to just end this uh, season off just awesome. And we are so thankful for everybody. So uh, thank, you know, thank you for being patient during the little lull we had as we got all this stuff together as we sit there and take each piece of the armor and really go into depth about talking about it. And, uh, and then this is going to start off, uh, it's going to end, and then it's going to lead into as we're going to start uh, our next season off, uh, really talking about spiritual warfare and prayer and how that goes into it. So enjoy this first episode we have of the armor of God as we really just get super deep into it. And, uh, you know, thank you guys again for all of your prayers and for listening with us for, you know, the last few months. We truly do appreciate everyone and all the prayers and all the support. Thank you guys and God bless. Welcome to Five Guys and the Bible, a weekly podcast where five guys from around the country dig deep into the scriptures and talk about how it relates to life. Thanks for listening and always be blessed. All right. Welcome to another episode of Five Guys in the Bible. Uh, Today I get to host and uh, we are going to talk about the armor of God. Now we're going to there's a lot we could talk about each individual piece, so we're going to break it down in individual pieces. I'm going to start us out with a prayer. Um, I'm actually going to change it a little bit uh, in terms of the prayer. I'm going to pray something that me and my son pray uh, when we pray on the armor itself. So it helps him to remember and me to remember the different pieces of armor and what they do. So let's pray. Dear Lord, help me to prepare my spirit for today. Help me to resist temptation and to stand against the plans of the devil. Help me to remember my fight is not against my fellow man, but against the forces of the devil. Help me to stand in your presence and walk boldly in your will. Help me to remember your armor daily. Let, Lord, let me equip the belt of truth to protect me from the lies of darkness. Do not let me be vulnerable to the lies of the devil. Protect my heart from the wickedness of this world with the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. Let me stand on the promises in your word by equipping the boots of the gospel of peace. Let me rest in the grace of my soul being saved. Protect me with the shield of faith so that I will not doubt the truth of the Bible and the power and love of you. Protect me with the helmet of salvation so that I may remember I am set free from temptation and condemnation. Protect my mind and keep it focused on you. Help me to commit your word to my memory and to my heart so that I can strike against the evil of the devil and resist temptation. Help me to pray in the spirit always and at all times for everything, knowing that I am nothing without you. Keep my heart and mind pure and focused only on your love and will. Help me to speak or help me to seek your face as I set out to advance your kingdom and love others as you love me. Help me to speak only the words that you have given me in love. I pray that you light any darkness in me and separate it from me as the east is from the west. 
Lord, let me grow closer to you daily and anoint my head with oil and ignite my spirit with an overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Let me be bold to proclaim your truth and move in your will. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So that's how I uh, help me and Alex remember the uh, uh, armor. And, and you can, you know, we go through the actions of putting it on, you know, because it builds that mind-body connection. <laughs> and it, it seems to help. So, so the first piece of armor that we're going to talk about today is the belt of truth found in Ephesians 14. All right. So what is the belt of truth? It's found in Ephesians 614, and it is the first piece of the full armor of God to be listed in the sections from Ephesians 610 through 17. And so the passage that everybody quotes is uh, the admonition from the Apostle Paul to be strong in the strength of his might. And that's the key to actually understanding the armor of God, is that all of the pieces of the armor belong to him and come from him. Uh, but there's an order, you know, there's a divine order in everything in the Bible. And there's a reason that truth comes first. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And it's only through him that we come to God. So truth is of the utmost importance in the life of a Christian. Because without truth, the rest of the armor would be of no use to us because we would not have the spirit of truth, which is John 14, 26. So, what is truth? <laughs> and why is it described as a belt? Um, what do you guys, you know, we, you know, from the time that we were in kindergarten at, as a, you know, in uh, Sunday school, that's it, that's the word I was looking for, in Sunday school all the way till, you know, sermons and, you know, different podcasts and different materials all talk about the armor of God. So I'm interested to get your guys' opinion on what exactly the belt of truth means to you. I'm going to go with Eric. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, um, I, got to, I got to thinking about it. And, you know, having watched some action movies lately, it kind of got me to thinking when, when I was reading about the belt of truth, I always think, I always think of, um, I always think of like Wonder Woman. You know, she's got that lasso of truth. And, you know, that's, that's, that's in a circle of, you know, and, and they say this in wedding ceremonies, you know, the ring is a circle. Well, that lasso is a circle that kind of doesn't start and doesn't end. And, you know, so the truth has, the truth has no beginning and it has no end. Just like Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. There was no beginning and there will be no end. So that's, that's, that's kind of how I view, you know, the, the truth, you know, does it make sense? 
I get where you're coming from. Now. There's no yep. beginning, no end. It's kind of like a ring. <laughs> I get that. Uh, yeah. I have never viewed it that way, but that's awesome. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that. <laughs> Am I all Go ahead. You now? Yes. yes. Okay. We can tell because there's a TV playing in the background. I turned it off. <laughs> Do you oh. still hear one? No, not anymore. No. Okay. Um, you know what I like is if you so kind of get, you know, nerdy here, right? So I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this right. So the Greek word that um, is used for the belt, when it talks about the belt of truth, is actually, it's Alasia, right? Alasia. Uh, so... Paul's using this word, Alessia, to describe the belt, which is the same word that the Greeks used when they translated the book of Isaiah. And if you go to Isaiah 11.5, and righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The word faithfulness is that same word, Alessia. Alicia that is used for the belt. So truth is faithfulness. Uh, and I just like it. So he, Paul, when he was describing the belt, he's using Old Testament references. He was using Isaiah uh, because the, those verses in Isaiah, it's Isaiah 11. So you have 11.5, righteousness should be the belt of his ways and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And then six through nine is the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat. It's basically saying that the messianic king is going to save his people and bring in the final blessing of peace, a peace that goes throughout creation, right? So I really like that because it's... Yeah, we need to. I really like that because it's uh, not the belt that the Roman soldiers were using, right? So that's one misconception a lot of people think is that Paul was using the actual armor of the Roman soldiers, but he actually was using things found in the Old Testament. All the whole armor of God describes a portion of who God is or who Christ is, um, and it all can be found in the Old Testament. And uh, and I just read, love this verse in Isaiah eleven five. It just talks about because it's the same word. So he's using the same Greek word on how they translated that verse. Um, so um, that is uh, we translate that faithfulness as truth. So the Greek used faithfulness. And we translate it as truth, the belt of truth. It's the belt of faithfulness. It's the belt of faithfulness because of what God's going to do. He's going to come, save his people, bring in final blessing and peace, and it's going to it's a peace that extends throughout creation. Yeah. Damn. Really good. <laughs> but, <laughs> All right. Um, so I have a very simple view and I love that Carl and Eric went in there because I had no clue about that like I guess so in my mind when I hear belt of truth right so I think about what a belt is used for 
right? Uh, back in those days, it, not, you know, it's not like a belt now where it's used to hold your pants up and that's it. it you know, it was utilitarian belt. Like it, it held tools, it held weapons, it held, you know, water, you know, refreshment, food. And um, so when I, I think of the, the belt of truth and, you know, the truth being uh, Jesus Christ, you know, the, the word, like just, it, I guess I look at it as just envelop yourself, like hold yourself up with the word. Like speak that truth. You know, like any any action you do, uh, do your very best to speak that word, that truth. Uh, and, I, and I may have it totally wrong, but uh, I guess in my mind, that's uh, simple for me to understand it like that. I like how the belt, you know, because the, all right, y'all went to the tough, or three of you went to the tough motor, but y'all saw pictures when I was wearing right. the belt. That big belt that I wore to hold the kilt up is what they're referring to. If it had the front part, like uh, in the Scottish dress, it's the sporin. It's mm -hmm. the, the 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 part in front that guards your groin. Your groin. And uh, in the NASB version, it is gird our loins with truth. Now. Others are gird our waists and, you know, fasten yeah. the belt of truth around us, buckle the belt around our waist. You know, there's a whole bunch of different wordings. But no matter the wording, the the important part about the belt is that we are to actively lay hold of it and use it. And it holds the sword at our side to be ready. It holds the tunic together. You know, it keeps it out of the way so that you can defensively move around. And uh, it's it's crucial. It, it's a crucial piece of defensive armor, even though you don't think of it as armor traditionally, because we look at belts differently now than they looked at them back then. And yeah. uh, so, you know, it the belt of truth, you know, we talk about what it is, but what does it do for us in addition to, you know, holding our sword? You know, well, we understand that it's, you know, Jesus and, you know, uh, the, he is the way, the truth, and the light. And, you know, Eric brought up a good point about it being eternal and the truth never changes, which in today's society, you can't make that statement anymore because right. everybody yeah. wants to say, well, that's my truth, or that's my, you know, that's how I, go ahead. No, his hand's disappearing into the good boy. No, well, I, I was raising my hand, no. but I just, I wanted <laughs> to let Arthur finish. Oh, so, but, I mean, it's, it's important that we establish what truth is. I mean, it's a simple concept. Everybody's like, oh, well, that's true. That happened or it didn't happen. But nowadays we have uh, these facts determine truth instead of the truth determining the facts. You know, you're, depending on how you're, a uh, good example of where truth is important based off of your worldview, creationism versus evolution. You are both presented with the same facts, but depending on what your worldview is, the world is either 7,000 years old or 4.8 
billion years old. The facts are the same. The evidence that you're given is the same. It is how your worldview determines it. And I think without that belt of truth, we're carried about by every wind of doctrine, you know, the by the, you know, the craftiness of deceitful scheming, you know, our worldview changes. We don't have a foundation of what our worldview or our truth is. Now, it's easy as Christians to go, well, my worldview is the Bible. And that's fine. But, you know, can you defend it? You know, that's the belt of truth is to sit here and equip that and be ready to present it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> I, so when you were talking about belt, uh, it brought me back to my uh, army days, right? My active duty days. The PT belt. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't thinking about that one, but I, God, I hated that belt. Um, uh, nothing could hurt you in that belt. I mean, it was a, a force shield. But anyway, um, we were issued uh, when I when I got to one sixtieth. Uh, because we were that special operations aviation regiment, like we did airborne, we did uh, jumps and stuff like that. So they issued us what was called rigor belts. Uh, I don't know if y'all you know, have that in the Navy. Y'all probably yep. do. Uh, but it was basically a, a utilitarian belt where it had a uh, rigging on it where you could hook in and repel and do fast ropes out of the, the helicopter and stuff. And that one little tool... You know, that one simple thing, like to just look at it, you're just like, there's no way that little thing's going to hold me up. Like, you, it took me a long, long time to trust that uh, piece of metal. Uh, but if you rigged it right, I mean, you, you could support tons with it, you know. And uh, so when they issued us that, and it made me think, you know, the belt of truth is not only do you have to have that truth you got to trust that truth you know like you have to believe in it uh that it will be there to protect you uh that that one little piece of belt was going to keep me from falling to my death you know and uh and so so when you were talking about the scottish belt and everything maybe go back to the riggers belt and the purpose it serves other than just looking cool yeah. <laughs> you know, I like uh you know, we're talking about truth. Uh first Peter uh one thirteen comes to mind. Uh therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, setting hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the belt of truth does. It keeps us ready, sober minded ready for action, ready to go because you have the, the hope, you have all those things because, you know, the belt, how it's used is um, to so much, it's, it's like a tool, you know, kind of like think of Batman, right? He had that cool little belt that had all the tools that he needed on it. And so when we have our belt of truth, all the tools that we need and that's where truth is. So when we say, you know, Arthur, you asked, what is truth? Well, one of the things that I've tried to do, I mean, uh, people always say truth is relative. Truth is, you know, depends on where you're going to be. And uh, I heard someone was, was preaching and he said that our faith should dictate our isms. 
right? So our phase should dictate, uh, you know, our, you know, our politics. Phase should dictate all of that. But what happens is we let politics, we let all these other isms, racism, politics, all these other things dictate our faith, right? And so truth gets distorted when we let the world dictate our faith and where we should look. But when we look at the Bible and we have our faith and we have the truth that's in the Bible and we let that dictate how we should vote, how we should act in the world, how we should do all these things, then that's the belt of truth. That's how he was kind of describing it. And I really like that because it's 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 the centerpiece this holds everything together you can gird up your loins right you can put your belt the sword on there you can put different things on there it gets you stable it is it keeps everything clean it keeps everything ready to go and you're right it is a very defensive uh piece of armor because without it you're gonna be a hot mess yeah because, yes. yeah so yeah, so the truth is the standing against the schemes of the devil, which is, you know, verse 11, which leads into the belt of truth and all that stuff. Right. So and that devil, man, he schemes. Man, he's good at it, too. He's good. And, and it only takes a little crack for him to put a toe in. Once he gets the toe in, it's the foot. But, yeah. okay, oh, yeah. so we live in a world today where truth is relative. How do you explain that your truth? Yo, know, we'll do a little bit of a apologetics type of thing. How do you how do you explain your truth versus somebody else's truth? I want to hear John's take on that. I know. How do you determine the truth? Um, yours from somebody else. Well, you mentioned worldview. That's part of it. Um, and worldview is in how a person's brought up, what they're brought up to believe in. Um, they're going to defend that vehemently. Um, and it, you can you can build a pretty thick wall around what you believe the truth to be. I mean, let's just look at Christianity. Um, which which truth is correct? Catholics or Lutherans? Catholics have their additional books. They have additional verses. Um, you look at the King James. Uh, there's verses in there that uh, aren't in other ones. So which, which truth is the one that you're supposed to believe in? Well, it will generally be the one that you were brought up in. So truth can be, um, as you said, it can be worldly. It is worldly. Uh, we, don't, we don't live in the same world that the Bible was written. Uh, you, we, can, we can say that we should follow the Bible and live like Moses and do all these other things. But when you when you are so far removed from that worldview, um, you, you don't know what living like Moses is truly like. 
So you have to live in where you are. What I call is. You know, it is what you are. I mean, it, it, you can you can use the Bible um, to build and to confirm. But again, I mean, that comes down to, like you said, apologetics. You know, where is that the correct way to view the Bible? Um, is uh, AG? I know I'm, I'm from an assembly of God. Is that the correct way to interpret the Bible? You know, uh, it, it's just there's so many there's so many truths out there. there. There literally are, and that's just in the Bible. There's so many truths out there as far as which version, which uh, denomination. Uh, which theology, you know, they didn't have that mess. They really didn't. I mean, it was it was God's word, and that was that was it. So I, I think that's where we struggle with truth is which which truth is the right one. And then, like Arthur, you had said, well, you know, my truth is, and you can't discredit that statement because that's what they know to be true. And that, that can be biblical too. Like I said, if you grew up Catholic and someone else grew up Baptist, there's going to be different truths. And you are going to defend them vehemently. Yep. So you don't think there's one universal truth? There's one right answer? Well, Jesus is king. Jesus is our savior. Jesus died yeah. for us. Yes. Every one of those is there. But even those are disputed amongst the different denominations. Would you not agree with that? I mean, the Pope come out, I mean, and some people say it was taken out of context, but he, you know, he basically said Christ was a failure on the cross because he failed as a human being, because he didn't have children and live a longer life. Well, that wasn't what, that wasn't his, that wasn't what God's plan was. God's plan was for him to do exactly what he did, when he did it, and how it ended. And you can't throw human into it. Right. That, that wasn't that wasn't the intention. Uh, that wasn't God's plan. And you, I mean, to question God's plan is pretty, pretty bold in my eyes. Um, and to say that he failed as a human because he died. Well, he was supposed to die. Right. So, I mean, what 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 part of and and we all have the same Old Testament. So which part of the Old Testament am I so screwed up on? where it's pretty obvious to me that Jesus lived exactly how God intended and lived out the plan that God had laid out for him. Yeah, he fulfilled so, all the biblical prophecies yeah. to make himself, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, so he failed as a plan. No, you're right. According to human standards, he was a failure. But that's not the standards that we need to view him upon. Right. So anyone else got anything about uh, the belt of truth? Or shall we go to the next piece? Well, I want to, I want to, I'm not going to say I'm going to piggyback off of John because I know how much we hate piggybacking. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it comes down to what. John, if you have been talking for like the last minute, we've only heard like two words. Because this is this is my experience. This is what I know. <laughs> so, 
and believe that we Because we conquered death, he tore down that wall between God and us. I believe he took down all our sins and we washed with the blood. I believe all these things. And those are my truths. I get you. Yeah. I'm really not sure what you said there at the end, but you were passionate and that's awesome. You disappeared for about 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's frozen with that smug look, that look that says, I will cut you. <laughs> All right, Eric, go. You, you were talking. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to say I'm going to piggyback. But anyway, what I want to do, what what I want to do is I want to kind of take, you know, part of what John said, um, you know, kind of how kind of how you were raised. Um, it's it, it's your worldview, it's how you're raised, but it's also your experiences. The the things that you experience in life become what you see as true. Um, you know if. If, for example, you experience, have, let's say you have a bad experience with church in general, okay? It is slowly going to become your truth that church is a bad thing because, you know, we all know that churches are a bunch of imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. And we all make mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes we make um, really, they shape people's views. Our actions, people, people who look at us, the, you know, who, who look at the five guys and they see, they see us at, our, they see us at our good points, but then they see us when we fail and they put more importance on where we fail and then that becomes a point in their mind that where where they start to question, you know, man, are these are these guys, you know, are these guys just, um, you know, are these guys just shams, or is it just, you know, is it just one of those things where one of them, one of them, you know, screwed up and and fell, not necessarily fell from grace or anything, but they really failed. They they. They, they pooch the, the pun of the ball. And that's that actions of others will, you know, start to shape our view of what truth is and what becomes our truth. And I don't think that we should ever say, well, this is my truth because there is only one truth. And we, we talked about that earlier about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That is the one truth. That's the one truth that you can count on never changing. It doesn't matter what my worldview is. It doesn't matter what my raising was. That truth still stands. So, you know, honestly, I think we need to look at stop, you know, to stop saying, well, this is my truth. No, this is my view. This is how I see things. And that's based on my experiences. That's based on stuff that's happened to me. That's stuff that I've done, stuff that I've seen. That's where I think we're really met, missing the mark is when we 
differentiate truth in absolute truth versus relative truth. But that's just my opinion. Well, I like that because, you know, you have an absolute truth, and that's the word of God. Right? Yes. The, the John 14, 6 is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. But you also have a relative truth, which is your experiences. And, and that makes total sense. You know, I try to live my life using those relative truths, but I never have a truth or a belief other than the universal truth that is the word of God that is so strong that if somebody pointed it to me in the Bible and said, hey, this says this, and you're wrong, your truth is wrong, that I would go, nope, I don't believe it, because I'm not that, you know. <laughs> I, you know, my truth, my relative truth can be shaped based off of the Bible, but my Bible can never be shaped by my relative truth. Does that make sense? It yep. does. And that's kind of where, you know, and that's where these false preachers, that's where a lot of these things come in. So, you know, understanding what is the truth. So, like, I'm just going to talk about it. So, uh, prosperity, right? So, when the Bible talks about prosperity, it's not in a sense how we think about it, right? But, people have taken their own relative truth because for some people, maybe God has blessed them with wealth, with different things, and it's been good. So their relative truth, all of a sudden, then they try to make that the absolute truth of what it means when God blesses you. And the thing is that that's not going to happen because, you know, uh, let's look at all the Christians that died poor. Let's look at all the people, you know, just look at all the martyrs. Just look at, I mean, just look at the apostles, right? I mean, how they died, what happened to them. But they were probably blessed beyond more than what we knew. I mean, they lived and got to see. I mean, I think our brothers who all got uh, beheaded years ago, right? Um, and they were singing and saying the name of Jesus before they got beheaded, right? Where was their prosperity? But you know what? The moment that piece of steel touched their neck, they received their crowns, right? They received a glory and a blessing that is greater than we're ever going to have. And they were happy at that moment. And so you're right. My absolute truth should not dictate the, sorry, my relative truth that has happened to me so, and I used to do that when I've had a bad, there was a time when I went away from God, right? Because I, life was pretty crappy to me. I went through some things and uh, some things that I believe in that a 14, 15, 16 year old should not go through, should not have to live through. And I suffered for many years because of it, nightmares and some other stuff. And I really blamed God and I let my relative truth of what happened to me change the absolute truth that was in the Bible. But when I swapped that around and I was able to take the absolute truth that God does love me, that, you know, that God is love, that God does provide, that God does bless, that God is who he says he is according to the Bible, 
then I was able to find freedom from those shackles. And I found a pathway to get through my PTSD and things that I was going through. But it was because I had to change what truth was. I had to go back to the absolute truth and have the absolute truth then change my relative truth. So you're right. But so many people do it the opposite way and then they just keep going down this downward spiral. Yeah, the, the word of God is our foundation. Yep. And then we build upon it knowing that the foundation will always stand. Sometimes the house needs a remodel. Unfortunately, sometimes it gets reversed where we try to build the house and put the foundation on top. And then yeah. everyone, never it crushes works. everything below it. Yep. I, I, I get you. Yeah, that, I like that analogy. But, yeah, I mean, it sits here and... You know, you were talking about the prosperity gospel, and one of my favorite books is uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know if you've ever read it. Yes, parts of it, but yes. It lists all of the martyrs, uh, starting from Stephen, or, yeah, Stephen, Stephen, I can never pronounce his name right. Stephen, yeah. Yeah, from him all the way to, I think it goes to like the 1950s, 50s or 60s and uh you know we were talking you know somebody sent me a youtube video about a man in uh laos who was beaten and tortured for his faith and you know it's so easy for us to sit here and go oh you know this didn't work out or i'm struggling or i'm suffering with this and then to watch that as a comparison to what our lives are, what persecution we may face in our lives. Now, the Bible tells us that eventually that persecution that he's facing comes all the way through it. Um, You know, comes all the way through the world, and then we'll all face that type of persecution, you know, because the world's just going to get worse and worse and worse as we get closer to the end times. And uh, so... You know, it is important, you know, like I go through Fox's Book of Martyrs with my son and we do the uh, Voice of the Martyrs program. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. I have. I found it through a DC talk book, believe it or not. (laughs) They had a book where they, you know, Jesus Freak, I think it was, where they talk about the different martyrs. Yep, and uh, the the different stories of of martyrs, and uh, it really touched me. I mean, it it put into perspective that my life is not that bad, and when I sit here and I doubt God, I should just smack myself because you know, <laughs> you know, something bad is happening, and I'm like, God, where are you? Smack myself because you know, I mean, He's there. We're just not receptive to it. And, uh, you know, it puts that whole, you know, what is the truth of the word, like Philippians 4.13, where, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but they forget the previous verses before that. (laughs) Of course. You know, and, you know, where it sits here and it's like, hey, you know, we, you know, 
we should find joy in persecution. We should, you know, no matter what situation we're going through, God is always going to be there with us to strengthen us through any adversity and stuff like that. That I'm supposed to find that that peace, you know, that God's got this, you know. <laughs> so, but it it helps when you go through those stories to, re, you know, it it just kind of drives home what truth is and how important that truth is knowing that persecution is coming. You know, all of us have kids, you know, have you ever wondered if your child is strong enough in the faith to face real persecution? Does that scare anybody else? It's with everything that my daughter's been going through lately. Yes. I mean that, you know, because we can instill in them, we can instill, this is what scares me the most when it comes to my kids, is that we can instill in them the faith, we can instill in them all of, you know, love the Lord with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and, you know, stand firm and, you know, your reward is in the afterlife. But if persecution comes, can your child not deny Christ? Can your child face that persecution? As a parent, I can't think of any worse thought experiment. And it it that is what I will stay up with at night that haunts me. You know, is my are my son strong enough to resist that persecution? Are my son strong enough? to stand in their faith knowing that they could die and still stand in the faith. Anybody else get paranoid like that? Or did I just put nightmares in your heads? No, well, no. Of course, the, the, the question that, you know, that, does, that doesn't just bother me for my kids. Um, even, even, you know, I've been around the block several years. Um, especially in the Christian faith. And, you know, sometimes I have to ask myself, if this were to come down to this decision, you know, like um, Cassie Bernal up here in, that uh, died in one of the mass school shootings um, in Colorado. Columbine, yep. Yep, that one. Um, would I be able to make that same decision you know, would I be able to look that person in the eye and say, you know what, why don't you go ahead and just pull that trigger? Um, because A, I'm not going to denounce Christ. And B, you'd be doing me one big favor. Would I be able to look at somebody with that audacity that, that you know, do I have the strength? Do I have that close of a relationship with God? Do I have that um a mots to be able to say do it i'm ready and i pray that the lord have pity on your soul could i do it you know and if i have to ask myself that question for me I, 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 I don't even, I don't even want to think about, you know, one of my kids being put in that situation. Would they be able to be strong enough in 
their faith in God to say, okay, this is how it's going to go down. <laughs> I'm going to see Jesus. You know? Yeah, no, I, I totally think about that all the time. The question was, we think about how we leave our families. No. Are your children strong enough that when the persecution comes, when they're being dragged to the guillotine, when they're being put in the cages to be set on fire, when they're about to be shot, do they have the conviction and love of the Lord to take that death, or do they beg for their lives? I, I look at that as an individual thing. I, I would like to think I prepared them to, to do that, but it's one of those things. I mean, you guys know as well as I do. Uh, well, the military guys, you don't know what you're going to do until you're faced with that situation. Yeah. You know, you're the, the uh, you know, I go back to, you know, uh, Jalalabad. Uh, in between Kandahar and Bagram in that little house where I was faced with that situation. You know, and fortunately and, and praise God, I had the ability to overcome the enemy at that point. And, but I don't, you, you know, up until that point, you always, you know, especially a military guy, you always talk tough. You always are confident and authoritative in your abilities. Uh, and I think the same holds true with uh, civilians. You know, we have a security team at our church. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, eight, of, eight or nine of us. And there's only me and two others with military and law enforcement experience. The rest are just concealed carry hunters. You know, and one of the things we always tell them is, you know, we have to train. We have to train. We have to train. We have to train because you don't know what you're going to do during that situation. Yeah, they talk tough. You know, oh, I'm a hunter, man. I, I shoot animals and I'm a, I can put a, two bullets through a dime, you know, and, and all this stuff. And, yeah, that's great. That's when you're on a tripod aiming. You know, like you don't know what you, you're going to do when the drilling's running. So, I, you know, I, I, the question is, you know, will they take it? I don't know. I want to say yes. I, I can't say yes. I don't know what they'll do. You know, that's an individual thing. Yeah, I think, I think my youngest would be a yes if I went first. You know, because I would be that example. But it, him by himself, like they put us in separate rooms, I don't know. And that's what keeps me up at night sometimes. It's like, does he understand the truth enough that he, you know, the, understand the truth that if you deny Christ, if you were, you know, somebody puts a gun to your head and says, renounce Christ or I'm going to shoot you, that the proper choice goes against everything that the world would tell you that you don't renounce the name of Christ. You know, you don't renounce God. And as much as I can drill that into him, it's kind of like, will he make that decision if he has to? 
because we know that eventually that time is coming, that the persecution of the church will eventually be at that point. Well, remember, uh, oh yeah. man, it's a shame I can't remember her name, but the, the girl at the Columbine. Yeah, Eric just brought her up. Okay, yeah. I mean, or the that. or that current video that was posting of the uh, that boy that was in court and about the and uh, the police officer that sh when it walked into the wrong yeah. apartment shot it and the younger brother was there and he just told her he just like you know I don't want you to die I don't want you to go to jail I don't want you to get all these things because I just want you to find Jesus. That's right. Is he to say I just want you to use this and have all these things and then gave her a hug and just said, you know, I love you. And he goes, and this is a very unpopular opinion with people around me, but I just want you to find God because the only time you're going to be able to find freedom is through him. It was just so powerful. And I was just like, there you go. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, I would like to say, I mean, my daughter's saved and she understands and she's always talking about how she's the only Christian at school and, and, uh, you know, just she was worried going from a Christian school to a public school and all these other things. And I uh, like to think she's prepared. She understands. But Danny, yeah, you're right. I mean, I can stay up all night and I can worry about it or I can just keep praying and saying, God, just every day, let me do the best to show my daughter the right way to do things and then just yeah. have faith that he's going, that that's going to happen because, uh, that would keep me up at night. It doesn't, but it would, if I, you know, I have right now, I just want my daughter just to get control of her emotions and anger and all the other stuff that is going on. Right. So yeah. that's what's keeping me up. And, but, I would like to say my daughter would, but I, I, there might even be doubt that I would. I mean, yeah. you just, you don't know. I want to say I'm strong enough to do it because I've seen my dad do it, but I, I, that's why we need to be always prepared. That's why we always have to be prepared. That's why we always have to be ready and we can't, was it, you know, you can have rest days, but you can't take a day off because the moment you take a day off and then you're not prepared, you don't have everything ready to go. That's when that fiery arrow hits you and then you're denying Christ. Yeah. And it's that quick. Yeah. We're, we're very much uh, fleshly people. Like we love this world. We, we don't admit it, whatever. We love the, the things of this world. I do. You know, I, I want to be that good steward. I want to be the follower of Christ. I, I desire to be. You know, what is it Paul said? You know, I desire to do all these things, but my body, my flesh will not let me. Yep. You know, so it, it's, yeah, it's like the impossible question, Arthur. You know, it, it is. It's just you don't know until you're in that scenario. Everyone wants to go out like William Wallace in Braveheart. Everyone did, but yeah, but Peter denied Christ three times. Exactly. 
But you he know, didn't die going, right after he made that. Yeah. There's a difference between denying him and then coming back and denying him and then dying. You but I mean? in his mind, in his mind, if he would have, he thought in his mind, if he would have said yes, then he would have died. And he probably would have been crucified. Now, later on, he does get crucified for his beliefs, right? And he doesn't deny. But at that moment, what's probably crossed his mind was, if I say I am that one of his followers, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, Danny, you bring up a good point, you know. Um, Peter's, Peter's denial was out of self-preservation. And he had the he had the opportunity, and Jesus, once once Jesus came back, he gave Peter the the ability to be restored. Do you love and, me? Yeah, yep. And and you know he got that he got that restoration. The problem is is nowadays you may not get that chance to kind of circle back on what you said and you know it's it, it's just it's just one of those things where we have to make sure that we are totally convinced in the absolute truth and for lack of better terms you know where we will say okay this is this is the absolute truth you know but, you know, screw the way I see things because I'm looking through human eyes. I'm looking through fleshly eyes. And yes, you are dead on the money when you say that, you know, we love the things of this world because we don't know what's on the other side. We don't know what's there waiting for us when we die. We, I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, it, you know, God knew us before we were born. And he knew us when we were formed in the womb, and he's known us ever since. But the thing of it is, if we had an idea of what home was like, and I'm calling heaven home here, guys, if we had any idea of what home was like you know right now we would be homesick fools you know um how many of you guys have gone to camp for the first time away from mom and dad for a week and you're at camp and you get homesick you know has any has anybody had that has anybody had that experience have you ever been homesick? A little bit. Yeah, yeah when I was I'm younger. Okay. Arthur's shaking his head no. Um, you've never been homesick at all. Dude. Okay. Well, this is this is going to be lost on you then. Um, <laughs> but it, if we could just... I mean, we see in Scripture, Jesus gives us, you know, great visions of what home is going to be like. And yet we still want to stay here. We'll do whatever we can. We'll, we'll, we'll chase the, 
you know, we'll chase the wants, we'll chase the things of this world. And I fear that a lot of people are going to miss out because they take after the temporal things of this world that they're, they're, they're going to miss out on, you know, uh, Jesus said, you know, um, I tell you this in heaven there, you know, there, there's many mansions and I'm just like, okay. So, and we've all seen mansions here on earth. Some of them are stunning. Some of them are gaudy. Some of them are, some of them are, oh my God, that is such a waste of money. Think about all, think about all the good things in the kingdom that could be accomplished for what you paid for that house. But there's going to be greater things than that on the other side when we leave this life and we walk up, we meet Jesus, and we're just like, wow, this is awesome. And a lot of people look at heaven like, man, we're going to be fat little kids in diapers sitting there with harps, sitting on clouds. And just playing music all day long. And, and, and you know, singing. That's not what it's going to be like. Because, yes, we're going to be worshiping God. But we're going to be worshiping God through what we do. How we do things. Um, you know, it's not just fat little kids in diapers playing, you know, harps. Singing, singing songs. You know, so, and that's, and, and, and that's one of the, that's one of those portions of absolute truth that I think that, you know, people miss out on all the time is, you know, they have their worldly view of heaven. They have their worldly view of hell. And unfortunately, there are going to be some good people that, that Carl, you know, Arthur, you know. And people that I know, and there's going to be some really good people that miss it. Because it's not all about being good. You know, the absolute truth is Jesus was a relational person. Right? He built relationships. Yep. He didn't ram, he didn't ram the word of God down people's throats. He established a relationship with people his presence was he, he was sought after and you know just just to be in the presence of jesus i think is like having a time that you know you go a week two weeks without seeing your best buddy and you know you guys normally shoot hoops and just shoot the breeze and it's just, you know, it's just a really good relationship. Well, Jesus was that way. I I mean, I don't see Carl going out and, you know, just ramming the word of God down people's throats. He builds a relationship with the person. Um, he may even work out with them and, you know, get an opportunity to share the love of God with that person, to share the word of God with that person. and. It's, you know, 
Arthur, when you go out and you do the you do the hands and feet on on a weekend, you don't just show up one time every quarter. You know, you're out there, you're constantly doing it. By doing that, you're building a relationship with those people that you come in contact with. And as as you continue to go and you continue to do that, you continue to build that relationship. And there are some people that are just totally turned off at the beginning. But when you keep going and you keep going and you keep going, soon you will have that relationship where something you say can bring them to God. That's an absolute truth. Relationships are formed. And once relationships are formed, that's when you can bring, you know, you can bring, you can bring the word, you can bring the word all day long, every time you see these people and they won't listen to you or they'll think, yeah, man, this is going to wear out in a while. But if you go, if you go and you do this every week and you, and you start to build those relationships, people start to trust you. They let the walls come down. The walls start to tumble and you get a crack and it just starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger just by building relationships. So, you know, that's, that's another absolute truth. Jesus was relational. We too should be relational because like the five of us, we have built over time. We have built a, solid relationship and out of that relationship has come ministry opportunities we've built that trust we've built that foundation we've built on that absolute truth the walls have gone up the outer casing of the of, of the structure has gone up the roof has gone on and it's all because we got together, we met, you know, we met through, um, we met through a, you know, a, an organization and we built a relationship out of that. That's how, you know, if, if I screw up, you know, Danny can call, Danny can call me out. Danny has earned that right. John has earned that right. Arthur has earned that right. Carl has earned that right. Because we built a relationship of trust and absolute truth right there. The foundation started with Jesus. We built onto that foundation in this, in this relationship that we have. We built on that foundation and having built on that foundation, trust and all that. I would trust you guys with my life. If we went into battle, the five of us, I would trust each and every one of you with my life. Same, brother. That's powerful. It is. All right. So we're going to end it here. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about the uh, breastplate of righteousness and keep going through that series. Uh, Danny, if you want to... Uh, lead us out in prayer yep dear heavenly father thank you for this day father thank you for your grace and mercy in your son jesus christ 
coming here for us and just setting us free, Father. Uh, oh God, I pray that as we go forth from here, that we will be the hands and feet for you, Father. As we put on our armor, Father, that as we talk about the, the belt of truth tonight and the, the upcoming episodes, Father, that you will fill our hearts and our minds with your words, that we speak your truth, Father, not ours. Lord, we love you, honor, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.